Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. So we found out this week that the first deaths from COVID-19 in the Bay Area happened weeks earlier than we initially thought. In fact, those deaths in the Bay actually marked the very first recorded COVID-19 fatalities in the entire country. And at the time, in early February, very few of us were actually preparing for the coronavirus. But San Francisco's Chinatown was. The challenge was not to get people to be serious about COVID-19 in Chinatown, but rather to avoid them from panicking. Chinatown community organizations and the Chinese hospital were educating residents about the coronavirus well before the rest of the Bay Area. And they were saying things that are now just common knowledge for the rest of us. Things like washing your hands, cleaning more, and not panicking. Today, how San Francisco's Chinatown has fought off an outbreak of COVID-19. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I went back to China for Chinese New Year. And at the time, we would usually go out to visit families, relatives, um, friends. But that didn't happen this year. None of those happened. No one was on the street. The only time I went out was, was the time when I headed to the airport and fly back. Mei Ying Wu is a student journalist at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. When I landed in San Francisco on January 29th, I voluntarily did a 14-day self-quarantine. No one told me to do so. And at the time, mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. government also did not say anything like that, but I already knew how serious it could be. But when I went back to school, a lot of people reached out to me while I was self-quarantining saying, oh my God, you, you definitely do not have to do this. I talked to a professor at our school and I told him about how I did a self-quarantine and he said, quote, quote, I think a lot of people are just overreacting. It's just a flu. At the time, I felt like he might just assume that's something that's only going to be happening in China. Mei Ying is one of many Bay Area residents from China who saw the real danger of COVID-19 before most of us in the U.S. did. And around that time, people living in San Francisco's Chinatown were starting to worry too. Mei Ying wrote about this recently in a story for the New York Times, along with another Berkeley journalism student, Allison Stamos. As someone who just lives in the Bay Area, there for a long time, a lot of people didn't know how seriously to take this. Um, and maybe it is because we didn't have connections to China. But Mei Ying, for example, she can speak to what it was like for her back in China when she was home for Lunar New Year. So I think, frankly, so much of the conversation is how seriously do we take this? 
And given that that was not a hurdle in Chinatown, um, I imagine that that was a big contributor to getting people to take action. Right. So the first thing is convincing people to take you seriously, and then it's to take action. And what are those actions? And I think if in Chinatown that wasn't a hurdle, then that's already leaps and bounds around other communities. Frankly, in late January, Chinatown residents had either come back from China themselves, or had heard stories from people they knew in China. That's how Dr. Jen Zhang, the head of San Francisco's Chinese hospital, first started to worry. Like many Chinese Americans, she's on WeChat and was looking at what was happening、uh, back home, and she saw a picture of a former classmate who had been dispatched as a healthcare worker to Wuhan, and she thought, "Whoa, this is Chinese New Year, and the government is having is all dispatching all of these people. Okay, this must be serious." So that was her first thought. Um, and then she thought about the direct flights from Wuhan to San Francisco, and many times she has said to me, "12 hours. It's a direct flight, and it's only 12 hours." And so immediately she started thinking about, you know, what are the impacts in Chinatown. Dr. Zhang got on the phone. She called Supervisor Aaron Peskin and told him that if there is an outbreak in Chinatown, it will be a nightmare for you and me. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have a、uh, Chinese consolidated benevolent association. Deeply appreciate your. And so on February first, they hosted a press conference to talk about precaution and to educate the community about washing hands and talked to SROs about what they can do to prevent an outbreak. 然后呢？如果是说有什么需要，我们都做好了一切的准备，希望大家呢不用紧张，不用 panic 哈。So Chinese hospital also designed flyers, bilingual flyers, to give out to a variety of organizations to educate residents about how to do prevention. Central Chinese High School started encouraging students and teachers who just had recently traveled back from China to stay home for a 14-day self-quarantine, and as as early as early February. By mid-February, CCDC Chinatown Community Development Center, which owns 11 SROs in Chinatown, they installed hand sanitizers in all of their building and. They doubled the cleaning rate. Well, that that's interesting because I feel like that's some of the earliest response that I've heard of. Like there wasn't a lot of you know public education going on at that time, but in Chinatown, there was. Yes, that's exactly what we found this story very interesting. So far, it looks like all this early preparation, the flyers, the quarantining, the cleaning of single room occupancies or SROs. Has paid off. In fact, Chinese Hospital, which is in the heart of Chinatown and has clinics all over the neighborhood, didn't admit its first COVID-19 patient until March 26th, and that patient actually lived just outside the 22-block area that's considered Chinatown. Have there been a lot of cases in Chinatown since that March 26th case? This is a complicated answer. 
I guess, Devin, to answer your question, Chinese Hospital has only taken in three COVID-19 patients. Their first patient was three weeks after the first San Francisco hospitalization, but they've only taken in three. Um, but they have capacity for a lot more than that. Um, it's The reason I say some of this is complicated is because what is considered Chinatown is you know, roughly 22 to 24 blocks. And there have been cases on the border of Chinatown, mm-hmm. um, in the SROs on the outside of, outskirts of Chinatown, um, but not in Chinatown. I'd like to ask you more specifically about Chinese hospitals since it's a central part of the story. Mayin, can you tell me just a little bit more about this hospital? Chinese Hospital is located in the heart of Chinatown, and it has a history of more than 120 years. And here to tell us more is the hospital CEO, Dr. Zhan Zhang. Thank you for inviting me. And it primarily serves first-generation um, Chinese immigrants who speak limited English. Yeah, so it's a small community hospital. We uh, offer a lot of outpatient services, and then we have inpatient services too, So, which we, we have a medical surgical unit, ICU, and... Um, and so and the staff there um, at Chinese hospital, they usually are bilingual or trilingual even. Mm-hmm. They speak Mandarin or Cantonese or both, and English. And they are in close touch with Chinese press, like local Chinese press, um, Xingdao Daily, Xingdao Chinese Radio, Xingdao TV. And so it sounds like Chinese hospital was in a good position to speak to the neighborhood, the residents who live in Chinatown. It was also built by the Chinese community for the Chinese community, and it's the only hospital of its kind in America. Um, I think it's also just, I just really want to make a point about Chinese hospital because you don't have to be Chinese to go there. And so in they have a lot of clinics outside of Chinatown around the city um, that serve people who aren't Chinese. Um, but it just happens to be in the heart of Chinatown where there is obviously the Chinese population. Chinese hospital has a deep history and is very well trusted in the community. And I think when we talk about history, Chinese Hospital isn't the only organization in Chinatown that's been around more than 100 years. And so there's a number of community groups that have been around and those relationships have been forged over generations. And so I think there's just a real trust in Chinese Hospital and in doctors and nurses. And when it comes in your own language, um, I think that too helps people. Um, and also there's so much there's so much an understanding of, of SARS and other pandemics that people were very receptive to receiving these messages. And I think Dr. Zhang also said the challenge was not to get people to be serious about COVID-19 in Chinatown, but rather to avoid them from panicking. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, actually in Chinatown, the community was already pretty alert about how bad it could be. So when you, like, let's say, when China, like when Chinese hospital and community organizations tell them you can do this and that to prevent from getting it, they just listen. I think the thing that surprised me the most as we reported this story was that no one else was reporting this story, or certainly 
Nobody else in English language media was reporting it. We knew that Chinese language newspapers had been in the community and had been really in close contact with Chinese hospital, but it just seemed so strange that there was this narrative and conversations and people had reported about xenophobia, but nobody had ever bothered to talk to the hospital in the heart of Chinatown. So for me, that was genuinely a surprise. And I, I remember as we kept reporting this, I kept thinking, how has nobody else talked about this? How is nobody else reporting on this? And I know that sounds strange, but it was a question because to me, it just felt like it was a real opportunity to hear a perspective that we just don't hear. Yeah. Um, everybody goes to UCSF and San Francisco General, but there, there really is a important story happening in Chinatown and with Chinese Hospital. Thank you both so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. There's still a lot we don't know about how and when COVID-19 really started to spread throughout the Bay Area. This week, Governor Gavin Newsom asked county coroners to perform autopsies on people who may have died from coronavirus all the way back in December of 2019. Meanwhile, Chinese hospitals also taken in patients from SF General who don't have the coronavirus in order to help take some of the pressure off healthcare workers there. Mei Ying Wu and Allison Stamos are student journalists at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. They reported on the story for the New York Times, and we'll leave you a link to that story in our show notes. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. We'll talk to you Monday. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.